This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, guys, just a little heads up here. Uh, this episode ended up being way longer than we expected it to be. So what we did was we broke it into two parts. So the ending of this one is a little strange. Uh, it's not what you're used to hearing as an ending. Uh, but the second part will be coming next week. And you guys will obviously be getting this today. All right. Enjoy the show. The following is a fourth hand production. Elijah, are you ready to bring on the weird? Yes, sir. How about you? Oh, yeah. Alrighty. Going all the way down to Waco, Texas. Yes, we is. The way we grew up in that time, when did it go down? Uh, April 19th, 93. So I was only 11. Yeah. No, I wasn't quite 11. How old were you? Six. What, that was the end of kindergarten for you? <laughs> yeah, probably something like that. What are you drinking tonight? I'm having a Frangelic Mountain Brown by Founders Brewing. I'm stepping out of my IPA. This is a brown yeah. ale brewed with hazelnut coffee. Ooh. Let me give you a little taste here, huh? Whoa. Can you taste it? Yeah. Oh, boy. How many alcohols are in there? There's nine of them. <laughs> yep. And, you know, that's that's right on the cusp of being able to taste all the alcohol. Brown ales, something else. I've come to learn. So I did get a stout, but it was only a single. Okay. But it wasn't cold. So I might mm. bring that in for the second half, but I don't know. It's 12%, dude. Oh, yeah. Bring that in for the second half. And it's a 22-ounce tw- bottle. But it was only oh. five bucks. You think that's for a lot all at once? What? No, no, oh. no, no. The price, price, not. But that's that's a lot of twelve percent. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, after having a nine and then going with uh because everybody knows once you crack a beer, you can't save the beer. It might be okay the next day, but it's not mm, going to be the same. No, that's why I've kind of I liked them when I first had them, but then once I realized what was happening, the arrogant bastards. They're like a liter of beer. Yeah. They're huge. And then by the time you get done drinking that, you're kind of exhausted of it all at one time because you're trying to drink it before it gets warm. Yeah. I usually don't have that problem with my beer getting warm. I drink them too fast. So. Well, yeah, with the 12-ounce curl. What do you curl in there? Oh, it's just my, my good old cream ale. I got to go on B-W-E-R-U-N. What? B-E-E-R-R-U-N? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I swear I've only had one sip of this. I just couldn't follow your, your spelling there. <laughs> it's like talking in pig Latin. Sort of. Like you just, you know what it is. You just have to decipher it. I guess it's, you know, kind of a language thing. 
Yeah. Uh, do you, I don't know if you mentioned this on a previous recording or we talked about it when we weren't recording. I think you did mention it in a previous recording that you felt like there was a, you said the opposite in, the, in our last recording. There was a bit of, there was some injustice here on the grounds. Whoa. But then as you got into the research and I got in the research, I'm like, whoa, dude, there's no good guys here. Well, okay, yeah, that that's it. There's no good guys, which means I th- I still think there was some injustice here. I agree. But not as much as I originally had thought cuz I learned <laughs> some new stuff. Yes. Let's let's gradually get into all that. Yeah. You want to go way back to the birth of our You know, as I started to learn more, I gave him I gave him a different nickname. I, I'll, I'll wait for it. Okay. There, there's an there's an important moment that comes up when this nickname is more appropriate. We should mention that we got our research from two different sources, you and I, right? Yes, yes. You listened to the audiobook. Yeah, it's called Waco by David Thibodeau, Leon Whiteson, and Aviva Layton. They're, okay. It's uh, about, it's their survivors of Waco. So I was like, you know what? That sounds pretty interesting. Let me check that out. I was afraid it was going to be a little too uh, preachy, like, oh, you know, Koresh is the best and I fucking love him and all this, but it wasn't. It seemed very factual. I don't think Thibodeau was 100% on board. No, I don't, th- I don't think so either. I think he was a bit like, mm, eh. but then he got so embroiled in everything that he, there was no... There was no escaping or exiting at a certain point until, whew. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, if you want to listen to that audiobook, if, well, I suppose if we do it justice here, you might want to listen to it. AudibleTrials.com slash bring on the weird. Sign up for a free, you get a free uh, audiobook if you use that website. And then uh, you can listen to what the Waco book. What's the whole title? Waco. I think it's called it's Waco. Maybe a survivor story or something. Okay. And my primary source is the podcast American Scandal. And there was a multi-part series on on the whole thing and he did mention that part of their research for the the series was that book. So, oh, my book. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah. I thought you were going to listen to, uh, oh, what was it called? Waco Under Siege? Is that a podcast too? No, it was a book. You had told me oh, about oh. it. Oh, yeah. I did I did listen to a book, and it was only like it was only like two and a half or three hours. Yeah, that one was very short. Yeah, I did get some info from that one. But I got, as I dug more and more into it in, in different outlets, man, a lot of stuff. I learned so much. That I didn't know. I didn't want to know. Yeah, there's a there's some stuff you don't want to know, but we're gonna fucking tell you anyway. Because if we had to you learn it, believe it, you gotta fucking hear it. <laughs> ah, yes. So our he's not a is he a messiah? He's more of a a prophet, I suppose. He kept saying, "Do not worship me. Do not worship me." So I don't know if I'd call him a messiah. A troubled hero. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> August 17th, 1959. Vernon Wayne Howell 
was born to 14-year-old Bonnie Sue Carter. Is that, his name? Is that her name? Yeah, Bonnie Sue, Bonnie Sue Clark. And in that period of time, while she was pregnant, his father, Bobby Wayne Howell, I was like, ooh, yep, I'm not going to be a dad today. See ya. I've got other teenage girls to get pregnant. As you did back in the day? 1959? No, I'm kidding. That's not what you did back then. <laughs> Unless you were a freak. I don't know when Bobby Wayne was born. I don't know. Regardless, 14 years old is pretty damn young to be pregnant. Yeah, it doesn't matter if he was 14 too. Y- yeah. That's, <laughs> that's not okay. No, probably not. He just went off and found another teenage girl, seriously. But then, while Bonnie got into a relationship at some point with a violent alcoholic, and then come 1963, she left her son with her mother, Erlene Clark, and either was with this violent alcoholic, or she just left in general because she didn't want to raise him anymore. But then she wouldn't come back into Vernon's life until he was seven. But in that period of time, from from the time he was four, 1963, to the time he was seven, 1966, I guess. Yeah, that math checks out. (laughs) She had met, got married, and had a son with Roy Holderman. And their son, Roger, was born in 1966. So Vernon already had a brother, but then he was just living with his grandmother. Oh, Vern. There's going to be some Ernest jokes. Don't you worry. Know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> I was like, why Ernest? But then, <laughs> then I got it, yeah. Who the fuck was Vern, by the way? Was it his friend? The cameraman? I, I have no idea. I've never uncovered that. Uh, just a Jim Varney thing. I always <laughs> thought it was that weird, silent, super skinny guy with, uh, with that other guy. And Ernest cared stupid. It was he was the one of the cops. He was one of the deputies. But he was a, always made super crazy faces, and he, he never talked. I thought that guy was Vern at one point. I don't know. I it's been so damn long since I've seen an Ernest anything. <laughs> I was probably too young to even know what the fuck was going on. Honestly, the last time I saw Ernest, I like it. I'll watch it every once in a while. Ernest scared stupid goes to prison, save Christmas. I should bust one of those out. Scared stupid's fun. Didn't he do one, Ernest Saves Christmas or some shit? Yeah, where he he met Santa Claus and it was an endless bag of goodies. At one point he was trying to get into the bag to find something and suddenly there was a kayak. Just put a kayak right out of Santa's back. I wish Santa would bring me a kayak. Or was that the Santa Claus? I don't know. You're really laggy, dude. I am? Yeah. It was like, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope it doesn't cut out. So... At that point, he was still living with his grandmother, and then I guess we can jump ahead a, a little bit. Uh, Vernon was 19 when he joined his mother's church, the Seventh-day Adventists. Is that what it was? Oh, uh, yeah. And then somehow he got—was he living with the preacher or or what? Uh, you know, I don't really know because, like I said, most of my research comes from once all the shit started. For the most part, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, okay. My research is coming mainly from a survivor. Like, I have a little little bit of the backstory, but I don't have a lot of that. I guess we can, we'll build some, some on his backstory. I mean, he was kind of, he didn't have the best childhood. He he had 
poor study skills, probably because mm. he was living with his old grandmother and his mom was gone, no dad in sight. So he, he just, you know, just totally effed off in school. And he had a form of dyslexia. So he went to special education classes and then he got the nickname. Don't say, I don't know. I don't know if you can say it, dude. No? No? Okay. I won't say it. It's the R word with an O at the end. Yeah. It's not the best one, but you know, kids in the early 60s. I guess at that point it was the late 60s. So in this book that I read or listened to, I still count that as reading. I still I want to say read because I want to sound intelligent. But uh, Koresh took Thibodeau. It's spelled Thibodeau, but it's pronounced Thibodeau, I guess. But he, yeah. he took him on a drive and he told him that he always saw things differently than other people. And he consider, considered himself to be the odd man out in any group. He told him that as a child, he heard voices, he knew he was on a special path, and he vaguely said that he was given some sort of insight, but Thibodeau couldn't grasp what that what he meant. And that's when he was explaining that, like, he failed first grade twice, he failed second grade, and then by third grade, he was sent to a special school for uh, slower kids. Okay. Yeah, he was not... Uh, he was not very good in school. No, he dropped out in 11th grade. Yeah. But I don't get that. If you make it to 11th grade, finish it out, dude. Right. You got that far. I mean, at that point, if if he failed first grade and he failed second grade, or he failed this one twice or whatever, by that time he's going to be 20 graduating. Yeah. At least. First grade yeah. twice. Second grade. Who knows what happens in the middle of that. But at the age of 19, he was, I don't know if he was living with the preacher or if he was just infatuated with the preacher's daughter. But then he ended up getting into a sexual relationship with the 15-year-old daughter of the preacher. Yeah, I do remember this. That wasn't good. And maybe maybe if he was a little more stand-up-ish about it, it may have been a better situation. But then... He wouldn't prayed on it, and then suddenly he opened his eyes, and the Bible was open to Isaiah thirty four sixteen, and in that, uh, it's not a chapter. What do they call that? A verse. Yeah, there you go. The verse. In that verse, it stated, "None should want for her mate." And somehow he translated what he read in that whole verse to, "I need to be with her." So he goes to the preacher and says, "I need to be with your daughter." He didn't ask. I don't think he asked for permission. He just said. She's the one. I need to be with her. And he's like, oh, hell no. Get out of church. Well, in his eyes, once he, you know, he had sex with her, he laid with her or whatever, they were married in God's eyes. So he had to be with her to appease God or to, you know what I mean? Because he laid with her first. He laid right. with her first. They didn't, they didn't get married or nothing first. He laid with her first. Right. So... Once they did that, he was like, oh, shit. In God's eyes, now we're married because we had sex. So he was like, all right, well, I better make yep. it legit. So then he tried to marry her. His approach was lacking. Well, we didn't say he was a, a great guy, you know. <laughs> we didn't say he was, uh, you know, the best person in the world. Right. So 
What was this? He was 19, so that means it was 1978. I don't know. I don't have my calculator here. I need that to do any kind of math. (laughs) So a couple of years after that, uh, in 81, he moved to Waco, where he joined the Branch Davidians. Not not to be confused with the original Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Church, they were an offshoot of that. Correct. And I don't even know, do you know what all that is? They went into it in the book, but I got to be honest with you, I, I couldn't really understand it because it's basically the same group. It's like a, you know, you have Baptists and you have Presbyterians and you have all the different sects of Christianity. I think this was the same way. Just another flavor of Christianity. Yeah, so I think that the Branch Davidians were very similar to the Adventists, but I I think they just had different views, so they kind of broke off. They were like, you know what? We don't really believe everything you're teaching. We're going to go do our own thing here. And they, they were So they were a little looser than the Seventh-day Adventists. You know, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't know if they were looser or if they were more strict. Because it seems like that's what the our church right down the street here is uh, is Lutheran, and it seems like it's a little little more loose than than other ones. It's you know we still go through the same the same process of everything, but it's not like strict on the nose this and that. Yeah, see, I grew up Baptist. Well, you madman. We we went to a Baptist church, and it was the most boring fucking thing I've ever done in my entire life. It was so boring, dude. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. Like, there's no kind of... You you sit there, and you listen to what the preacher's saying, and then you, you just absorb it. There's no kind of, like, a party. We're not clapping, we're not singing happy birthday, or in, in any form to anybody. It's just... You you go there and you be and the preacher does his thing and then you're done for four hours or whatever it is. Yeah, it was a very formal thing too. Hey, what's up everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. And then after my wife and I got married and we had the kids and stuff, we started going to another church that was closer to us. And it was way more laid back. Like you could go in jeans and a t-shirt just, and then, you know, the people, the guy, the preacher, he would be up on stage, he'd be talking. Then all of a sudden the rock band would come out and start just jamming completely different. Oh, rock and roll church. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I don't remember the, de- I don't know the denomination of that one. Rock and roll. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> but you have different sects in religions, and I think that's kind of what this was. I think it was a di- just a just a different sect of the Seventh Day Adventists. Oh, Vernon was having some sex. Was he now? You know what I mean, Vern? It'll, whew, got it got crazy. 
1981, he joined the Branch Davidians. We talked through that. Mm-hmm. Benjamin Rodin, who died in 78, originated that branch of the group in 1955 with new teachings that were not connected with the original Davidians. Uh, Koresh played guitar and sang in church services at the Mount Carmel Center, the sect's headquarters outside Waco. And apparently, Koresh was, he was into some music. He was, he was a guitarist. Oh, yeah. Thibodeau was a drummer. Yeah. Who was, wasn't there another guy, though? Was it that Mark Bro? Was he in the band? I don't know. Was it Mark Bro or was it Steve? It may have been Steve. I can't remember in the story now. But I guess that's not one of the that's not one of the important parts. No. That was just you know, that was just Vernon's side gig. Just something he would do. And I'm I didn't look it up or anything, but I'm pretty sure there's recordings you can find of their music. Because they actually went to recording studios and stuff. No kidding. Yeah. I guess this is a good time to say in the book that I read, they met I forget how they said they met. But not at a guitar center like the Netflix show says. Or no. Maybe they met at a guitar center. That's what it was. In the book, they met at Guitar Center. But in the show, they met... I think Thibodeau was doing a show at some bar or something. And they met that way. Really? Yeah. And when the show starts, it says that it is based off of this book as well as another book. So... Okay. I assume the information I got in my book is correct i mean it was written by the survivors so yeah i mean it was literally written by thibodeau right but yeah i mean they they loved music yeah man they were just just hanging out recording music and then uh when did i guess we can get into that that it comes in a little in a little while i suppose but not long after he joined that those branch davidians Benjamin Rodin's wife, he, he died in 78. His wife, Lois, Lois? Is it Lois Rodin? That sounds right. Yeah, Lois Rodin. Yeah. Yeah, Lo- Lois Rodin. His his wife was running the place. And uh, old Vern, he just kind of inserted himself right into her life. And possibly more than that. I was going to say, was that a pun? <laughs> That's not proven, right? I don't think it was proven, but there's, I think there's enough speculation that you can kind of lean into that fact because they were trying to make, well, they wanted a, they wanted a son to continue uh, whatever they were trying to do. The chosen one, another Messiah, something, whatever they were doing. Which is ironic because they had a fucking son. Yeah. Old George. George's coming up. George did some stuff. Yeah. George was not special in Lois's eyes. He was something else. Did somebody ask Vern at one point? He they said, "Are you having a relationship with Lois Roden? Are you is she pregnant with your child?" And I think he said something along the lines of, "Yeah, if I could get a seventy-eight-year-old woman pregnant, yeah, I would be God." Ooh, I don't know. Was she seventy-eight or seventy-one? So, something like that. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's that's kind of interesting. Yeah, there was a little bit of, oh man. She was born 1916. And, Jesus. Uh, Vern was like, hey, you know what? Let's, uh, let's go ahead and try to have ourselves a baby. That would be a miracle. <laughs> yeah, that's why he said, I, I would be God. Yeah. And everybody's like, 
Did he just say, you're not, you're not supposed to say that there, buddy. I don't think they like that stuff too much. No. So 1983, 16 to 83. What's your, what's your calculator say? How old was she then? I don't know. 67. 79. Did you say 67? Did I? <laughs> you may have said 67. I did. 67? <laughs> yep, you did. She was 67. I'll cut that I'll and cut they, that in to the beginning of that and it'll all sound super smart. <laughs> just instantly. <laughs> so in 83, suddenly, Vernon Wayne Howell got the gift of prophecy. He was a prophet. As a lot of cult leaders are. I don't think it went, for Vern, I don't think it went beyond that. He never was like the son of God or some sort of anything beyond, beyond a prophet, a messiah of some sort. What was the thing in the book of Revelations? He was the Lamb of God. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said earlier, he didn't want anybody calling him Messiah or worshiping him or anything like that once all this shit started taking off. No, they wanted he wanted them to listen to his word and follow him to this end point, next point in, in Revelations. He was just following down these seals, the seven seals. Boom, 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 boom. Right, he said, don't worship me. No, I got the quote further down in my notes, but something like, don't worship me, worship the word. Yeah. You know, I'm just, basically, I'm just here, you know, I'm a mouthpiece for God, basically. Right. And this is the time when old Vernon was starting to come into his, his signature look. Those glasses, a bit like Dahmer. Yeah. He looked like, he looked like, uh, kind of like a Jeffrey Dahmer with a perm. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> it's the the glass the glasses make me think Dahmer. That's boom right there. Thibodeau says that Koresh was not charismatic. He was a medium height and dressed in rumpled clothes a lot. He had unkempt hair, uh, but what he did have was a kind sincerity about him, which messes messes me up because I'm like, how can this dude convince other dudes that like you know what I'm I'm gonna have to take the burden of your wife off your hands? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I've corrected that yet, but I said that in, oh, what was it, Heaven's Gate. I was wondering if he was the one who did that. And then I said it was Joseph Smith of the Mormons, but it was old Koresh. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Bad stuff's coming real soon. And uh, old Georgie comes back. Old Georgie Roden. Who, who is this dude in my dad's camp that's effing my mom? And about to take over my fucking job. That should be mine. Yeah. George was mad, even though George hadn't been around for years. George comes in just blowing steam, baby. He comes in preaching. He didn't want Vernon Wayne Howell preaching. He's going to get that. He's going to get that from his mom. Yeah. This interloper. <laughs> what did he do, though? What did George do? He, like, went in fucking, not guns a-blazing, but... He came in, he was all mad. He came in and started preaching, like, violently preaching. Because, not Koresh yet, Vern had a, had the prophecy, he had an epiphany, told Lois about it, and then she's like, okay, all right, Vernie, go in there and tell your story. Go on. And then she's like, ooh, man, these people kind of like old Vern. <laughs> but I thought George started some shit. Yeah, yeah, he did, and then 
George was mad because Vern's telling his story, and then George was like, "You know what, Messiah? How about this? I'm gonna I'm gonna unbury this this lady over here. You make her come back to life." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that part. He still hadn't taken the name Koresh yet. I don't believe. I, Not yet. Yeah, I don't know. Was that was that ninety? I think it was nineteen ninety. I could be wrong. We'll get into it. <laughs> he was mad, dude. George was so mad he exhumed a body and said, "All right, let's let's have it out. Let's have it out, Vern. Who's going to resurrect her first? Come on." And Vern's like, "Ooh, dude, that's not what I'm about." Hello, cops. We got a problem over here. Yeah. <laughs> no, he didn't call the cops, did he? Yeah. Vernon Howell called the cops on George Roden because th- I think that's when they uh, George was all pissed off with him. So David took a bunch of them out of Waco, out of that uh, the Mount Carmel complex, and they moved to Palestine, Texas. Palestine, Palestine. It's a little... Low religious stuff happening here. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment in there? I thought they went to Jerusalem or something in this time, uh, and then they came back yeah. and they they started camping out in Palestine, Texas, at Palestine. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they did go there and then came back and in three years or something. If I'm not mistaken, aren't the Palestinians and the Jews at basically at war with each other? They hate each other, right? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so in this time when he left the compound, when George went ape shit, somewhere in there he married Rachel Jones. No, oh, wait a minute. My notes a little crazy. Yeah, mine are all out of whack, dude. He went to his his name change. He went to Pomona, Panoma, Panoma, California, May fifteenth, nineteen ninety, to legally change his name. For publicity and business purposes, to David Koresh. I did not know he legally did it. He filed a petition on May 15th, and then on August 28th, Judge Robert Martinez granted the petition and said, okay, all right, buddy, that sounds pub- publicity and business purposes. Okay, sure. But some people have a hair in their ass about, about it being for publicity and business purposes. But my thing is, that's probably one of the least, uh, one of the simplest things you could just check on the form. Like, there's probably not some sort of messiah. I'm going to be the messiah. There's a prophet. I don't think that's on the form. Pretty sure that's not on the form. I'll let you know when I go to change my name for the podcast. Once we get famous. Elijah Koresh. (sighs) Now someone's going to take it, dude. Look, man, Elijah's already in the Bible. You don't got to do anything. Yeah. You're fine. I'm going to change it to Elijah Jesus. <laughs> That's one where it's hyphenated or something. It's a, it's a hyphenated after the E for for publicity and business purposes. Or I just go with one name. <laughs> oh, like Zendaya or Prince. Elijah or... Jesus. <laughs> Elijah Jesus. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Drop the A. Uh. Yep. And just go with Jesus. Elijah Jesus. Elijah Jesus. Elijah Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. I'm going to do it. Well, California takes three months. Four months? Something like that. Well, that's why I don't live in that fucking West Coast hell. That's it. Because <laughs> name change legalities and whatnot. That's the reason. That's the exact reason. 
<laughs> no other. <laughs> so August 28th, 1990, Vernon Wayne Howe became David Koresh. And do you have what Koresh means? Oh, no. I didn't know it meant something. Koresh is the biblical name of Cyrus the Great, a Persian king who was named a messiah for freeing Jews during the Babylonian captivity. Yeah. His I did first name, David, symbolized a lineage directly to the biblical King David, from whom the new messiah would descend. But taking the name of David Koresh, he was professing himself to be the spiritual descendant of King David, a messianic figure carrying out a divinely commissioned errand. See, he's not hes not saying that he is the son of God. He is not a new incarnation of Jesus. Right. Second coming, third coming. How many, however many Jesuses we need. He just need one body. Just You just need one? You just need one Jesus. <laughs> and he's not an alien. How do you know? How do you know? Marshall Applewhite's dead. He just, he, <laughs> he perished. He might be up there roof surfing on the UFO like, woo. <laughs> oh, he br- he brought the fun side to the to the aliens. Yeah. Look what I could do. They're like, Marshall, get in here. Get in here. Get back in here. That's not what we do out here. Come on. We are divine beings. <laughs> it's been 80 years on Earth. Stop it. We are all off topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So he married Rachel Jones, and then it became David Koresh, and then I think Rachel took the Koresh name, too. In that time, and then they went to Palestine, the Palestine, because he had a vision that he would be a martyr in Israel. What? Or something. That's what David Koresh, you know what I'm talking about, Vern? <laughs> Koresh thought he was going to be a martyr in Israel. But my, by 91, he was like, nah, it's going to be in Waco. It's going to be at the Mount Carmel Center. Let's go get George out of there. Come on. And what blows my mind in this time period, somehow he was bebopping around the world and be like, you guys want to join the Brash Davidians? Good day, mate. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> and I mean, they had people from all over the fucking world, man. Yeah. Then yeah. they had people from Ghana, right? Yeah. How, how, where are they getting this money? Yeah. That's a good question. I, I really don't know. Australia, Ghana, Israel itself. It's really strange though that they were a like a Christian group, but a lot of their shit seemed very Jewish to me. Well, you think so? Yeah. Is it because his name ends in ish? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not the thing. <laughs> Look, you said it, buddy, not me. Ish, ish. <laughs> it's all. It's fine. I'm talking about. See, not, you weren't supposed to say that. Oh. What did I... I don't even know what I just said. I probably just prayed to, like, the devil. Oh, the devil's coming. Give him, give him a little while. It's, it's way down there. Well, it fucking seems like he's here now. <laughs> 2020 is a hazard. It's a fucking disaster. Anyway, he decided that martyrdom in Israel was... It's not in the... That wasn't his prophecy he was talking about. No, we gotta go back to Mount Carmel. Come on. We gotta go. So they they... Settled in a camp in Palestine, Texas. Palestine, Palestine, however you want to say it out there. Palestine. It's Palestine, Texas. <laughs> That's the way that nobody <laughs> says it. <laughs> hey, don't mess with Texas. We're neutral here at uh, Bring on the Weird. We don't say it your way and we don't say it their way. We say it our way. Yeah. 
We'll come up with it ourselves. Palestine. They were in Palestine, Texas. It was a camp 13 miles away from, wasn't it 13 miles? No. Mount Carmel was 13 miles from Waco. Yeah? Pretty sure. Uh, 10 miles southeast of Waco. Something something was there. I, maybe it was the camp. It was the Palestine camp that was 13 miles from Mount Carmel. It sounds like an alien race. Palestine. <laughs> They're at war with the Venusians. <laughs> Come on, I'm trying to get to a I, break. I know. Ah. <laughs> we are deep, too. Uh, this, when they got back at that point is when George was like, all right, David Koresh, raise this woman from the dead. I pulled her out of the ground for you. I did all the hard work. You just got to wake her back up. <laughs> the hard work is... <laughs> I think it would be a little Get, more difficult to raise... to. Bring a person back to life, but okay. <laughs> he did all the physical labor. Okay. And and Koresh is like, well, you're dumb, and I'm calling the police. <laughs> oh, shit. And let's have a break while stupidity prevails. Yeah. yeah. 